and those who are watching online. Let's go ahead and, and start our study and open with a, with a word of prayer this morning. Father, we thank you and we praise you for what you've done on our behalf. And as we open up your word, Father, we just pray that uh, you would help us to understand the truth. It's, it's our hope and it's our desire uh, not to conform your word to our uh, notions and our desires, but to conform our lives to your word. And so, Father, um, help us to check our pride and, and, and all the things that we need to as we study your word and realize how blessed we are to have it. Father, bless this time. Uh, bless the services to follow. Pray for safe travels for those who are still traveling to be with us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, Romans. I'm not sure what week we're on, but we're still on verse 1. Um, and that's a good thing. We, we joke about how long it takes for us to get through things, but that's because uh, we want to use Sunday school as a Bible study, not as a preaching sermon. You guys get to sit there and be quiet during the message. This is our time to study with each other here and open the Word of God. And so we take our time. If it takes twice as long... Hey, if we're still here, then we got time to study it. So um, we'll be picking up here in Romans chapter 1, verse 1, just for a review sake of the things that we've gone over. Uh, let's read verse, verses uh, 1 through 5 to start with. <clears throat> Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for the obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. Um, there is, again, this is why it takes long to the word of God, because there is so much just in these verses that we just read that we have to unpack. And so that's that's what takes takes a long time is because keep in mind, this is the first of the writings of the Apostle Paul, who wrote 13 epistles, 13 letters. This is the first one in order of, of the canon that he wrote. And so it's pretty important as we as we begin to study these matters that we take the time to set the foundation, which is what the book of Romans does. Romans sets the foundation for Christian doctrine. Acts gives the history of how we went from um, God dealing with the nation of Israel to God dealing with the body of Christ. Acts, again, is that historical narrative that, that is written by Luke so we can see what took place. Because otherwise, if you don't have the book of Acts, you go straight from the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all of a sudden to Romans, you're like, well, wait a minute, who, who, who's this Paul guy? Well, why do we have all of a sudden this new stuff here. Acts is what is what explains that. And so as we look at the book of Romans, uh, it's, it's not enough to just read it. You have to study it and understand because Paul here is writing to a group of people. Uh, he's not writing to a nation. He's writing to all those who be in Rome, Jew or Gentile, all of those who are in Rome. And he's, he's setting the stage for the probably the greatest doctrinal book for us today, the book of Romans. Um, and so we, we talked extensively about Paul being an apostle and how he didn't qualify. 
Um, and again, if you have any questions on this stuff that we're reviewing, stop me and we'll look at it. But we looked at he didn't qualify to be one of the 12 apostles. Uh, he could not be one of those. And so it's, it's, it's false to suggest that Paul uh, was simply added to their number or was supposed to be and Matthias was the wrong choice. That, that just does not pass the scripture test. Uh, we looked at uh, he wasn't a, he wasn't an apostle because he um, you know said sign me up I want to do this and, and which we'll look at a little bit more here this morning um, he was apostle not of God he was separated un, or not of man but of God and he was separated for his mother's womb and we looked at that and we talked about the gospel itself uh, which is what we have to continue to talk about here this morning. Uh, is is what is this gospel that he was separated unto? Um, because here, you know, Grace Bible Fellowship, we believe that uh, that all of this is God's word, Amen. not just the red letter edition. I'm not saying you can't have a red letter edition, but I am telling you, it's thrown many people off because they forget that the words that Jesus spoke on on earth, those were his words, but the words that are written here this says are his words too. And we can't like say, well, it doesn't count as much. That, that, that's just too many people apply it that way, but that's not true. This says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. <clears throat> and so this is called scripture. That means that as Paul is writing this, this is inspired of God. And so uh, keep that in mind as we talk about talk about these subjects and so whenever jesus on his earth goes says go preach the gospel of the kingdom and then he says i've given to paul the gospel of the grace of god we take god at his word and so that's why it's so important to understand these gospels because if it is the gospel that is the power of god under salvation guess what happens if you get it wrong eternal consequences the most important question man ever has to face today is what do you believe about Jesus? Not if you believe in Jesus, but what do you believe about Jesus? And so that's why it's so vitally important that you understand the distinctions between this gospel versus previous gospels. And Paul goes into it very um, extensively. Let, Let anyone who comes and preaches a different gospel than my gospel, he says, let him be accursed. Damned is what he says. Yeah, and that would be the, the gospel that he um, died for our sins, was resurrected for our sins. Yep, our and sins. that's a key point to put in there, okay. uh, because as we're going to look tonight, the idea that the Messiah was going to come, that he was going to be crucified, that he was going to be buried and rose again, was not a mystery. But how and what was going to take place about that for your sins? That was the mystery aspect of it. And so we're going to look about the, the idea of the gospel because uh, Christ himself makes it, uh, makes it known. He, he, um, he points out that it was an error on the apostles and the people of Israel to, to not recognize who he was and what was going to happen. Remember, whatever, remember what he says in, in, in the book of Luke. <coughs> we're going to go into Jerusalem and all things that were written of me will be accomplished. And what is he talking about? His death his burial, and his resurrection. Now, the idea that today that we can preach his death, burial, and resurrection is a good news for our salvation, that we can be washed in the blood, 
That is the great and glorious news of the gospel. If you believe in that for your salvation, that's the gospel. And so we'll be looking a little bit more, more at that. So keep in mind as we look at this, as Paul is establishing his apostleship, he was, um, he was enlisted. Even though he was willing, you know, it's not like he argued against God, but he was literally enlisted by God uh, to do what it is uh, that, that he was called to do. Um, Look at Ephesians with me, chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. In which Ephesians 3 here has a lot of the stuff that we're going to be talking about today. And so if you've got an extra little ribbon in your Bible, um, I would just go ahead and put one there because we'll probably be there, leave, and then come back to it a couple of times. Ephesians Ephesians chapter 3, let's let's read uh, verses 1 through 9. It says, For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. If you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. And we'll come back to that verse later. Whereof I am made a minister, according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power, Unto me, who am less than the least of all the saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, and again he repeats, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. The first thing I want you to notice in this these verses here is go back to verse 1 and notice that phrase for this cause what do you think Paul is saying here by using that for this cause cause say a little louder for me well he says for this cause and he he says a dispensation was given to me for you forward and and he's got this dispensation that was given to him by God (coughs) And as I think as we look here, Paul uses this idea of for this cause um, numerous times. And I would tell you to make a note in your, in your notes to go research when Paul uses that phrase. And, and he uses it like, for this cause, God gave them up to vile affections. Romans chapter 1. Hmm? Right. For this reason, God gave them up. He says, for this reason, in 1 Corinthians 4, for this reason, for this cause, I sent you Timothy. He says, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined unto his wife. He says, for this cause, because when you receive the word of God and you, that you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as the word of God as it is. And so Paul here saying, for this cause... I, Paul the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, 
if you heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given to me to you. I would suggest to you that Paul's salvation ultimately was because he was the chosen minister of the dispensation of grace. Meaning, ultimately, Paul understood that he was lost. It was that road to Damascus experience where God had, had came to him and saved him and gave him this ministry. And so he understood for this cause. And he elaborates a little bit further on that. Look at 1 Timothy 1.16. And so here, I think what we're seeing here is, is, is Paul was this chosen apostle of Jesus Christ to reveal this mystery that he had had and he kept secret. And I think Paul truly understood that for this cause, I received this grace for this ministry that I've been given to me for you. Look at 1 Timothy 1.16. He says, How be it for this cause I obtained mercy? Think of that. Fo- mm-hmm. Also, just I kind of think of Paul taking it a step further, knowing that he had committed, and now knowing anyway, he had committed the impardonable sin. You know, he didn't know that when he was in the act of it, but I'm sure he realizes it at this point. So that grace is even probably felt much deeper, right? Like, whoa. Right. You know? And, 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 and I think that's what I, I want to try to express to you guys is I think Paul felt and understood the responsibility he had for the body of Christ. That, that literally God chose him to be his apostle with this message of the mystery. Now, granted, he wasn't the only one. He shared it with other people, and they also took the message too. But he understood, as it says here, look at look what it says, verse 16, how be it for this cause I obtained mercy. You can't get around that. That in me first, Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. And so I, I would tell you that, that is when we talk about him being separated in the gospel of God, um, Keep in mind that there's more to this than, you know, he just somebody who heard the gospel and says, you know what, I'm going to go share that with the people because I think it's important. No, he was literally given a dispensation of the gospel for us, which is the reason why he obtains mercy. So um, any thoughts or comments or questions? Go over to Ephesians chapter 1. One thing you also need to understand as we're looking at this Romans chapter 1 passage because of a lot of misunderstanding from verse 2, which we'll talk about in a second, is this, this is not the same gospel as before. Paul's gospel is not just a, the same gospel as it, as it was before. So we're going to look at that. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. He says, In whom... We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Right? So you understand, hopefully, that the forgiveness of sins that you received or are offered to have is through Jesus' blood. And so that death that he did, he was raised again for your justification. 
the forgiveness of sins you have is, is based upon that offer of the gospel of salvation. Just like you were talking about a, a few minutes ago. It's, it's the death, burial, and resurrection. That's how we get our forgiveness of sins. Is that new? Let me give you a hint. Yes. That wasn't the gospel before. Look at Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 verse 14. Starting verse 13. The word who there is talking about who? Christ. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And so if you were to tell somebody, hey, go read Romans, go read Ephesians, and you know, see what it says about forgiveness of sins, what does it teach? How does it come? Anybody? Trust me, you know the answer. Through his blood. Thank you. There we go. Through his blood. Okay, was that the message before Paul is the question. Now, again, this is somewhat foreign to some people, but I ask people always, do you want to be comfortable or do you want to be right? The choice is yours. Yeah, you want to be both. That's a good answer there. Let's be comfortably correct. Yeah. All right, and so, so when we examine the Scriptures, what do the Scriptures teach? Before this dispensation that Jesus gave to Paul to share. Paul didn't make it up. He, was, he, gave it, he received it from the risen Lord. Um, before Jesus gave that to him, is that how forgiveness of sins was preached? And the answer is no. Go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Even Peter's message. Some will falsely tell you that Peter just didn't fully understand. Well, no. Jesus said that he was going to receive the power, the power that came from on high, and he was going to have full knowledge pertaining to the kingdom. So how can, how can you say that he was ignorant of, of things pertaining to what he was supposed to preach? Peter spent 40 days with the risen Christ. Christ died, was buried, was rose, rose again, and he spent 40 days teaching the apostles, the 12 apostles. Do you think, does it make much sense that he was going to teach them the wrong way to receive forgiveness of sins? That seems a little bit odd, doesn't it? Yeah. Not only that, but uh, it takes place, starts in the, uh, the upper room, and they were all filled with the Spirit. Mm-hmm. So Peter was speaking as the Spirit led him. He was speaking, that, that's what the empowering of the Holy Spirit was. Think not what you're going to say, the Spirit's going to give to you whenever time comes. And so that's a great point, Reggie. That's a great point. But what is, what is, and without going into all the theological reasons why Peter is getting up preaching this, the question is, is this what God's word says or not? Acts chapter 2, verse 30, 37. Just before this is whenever um, Peter is making the case that, that that Jesus that you killed, he's alive. And they're kind of like, uh-oh, <laughs> that doesn't sound too good, you know. 
Now when they heard this, verse 37, they were pricked in the heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall I do? Well, the context here is salvation. Okay, The context here is how to be forgiven of sins. And we know this from what we're getting ready to read. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? That's right. Peter's message is, be water baptized for the remission of your sins. Paul's message is not. So your choices are to spiritualize the text and say, well, it doesn't really mean what it says. Or to understand exactly what Paul says is, is I was given a new message. Yes, Paul was baptized and he did baptize. He did baptize people. He did. And many people want to point to that as proof that Paul wasn't, you know, you know, somehow saying that water baptism is irrelevant. But then you've got to go to Ephesians. Look at Ephesians. Go to Ephesians. Did Paul continue to receive revelations? And I try to tell people this. On the road to Damascus, whenever Paul received his ministry, did God stick a jump drive in his brain and download everything to him at one time? No. Did he continue to teach him over time? Yes. He says, because of the abundance of revelations, I received a thorn in the flesh. Right? Because of the abundance of the revelations he was receiving, is what he said. But you can't get around these verses. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4. Now, how many bodies of Christ are there? One. How many Holy Spirits are there? How many hopes of your calling do you have? How many Lords are there? How many faiths are there? How many baptisms does it say here there are? One. Well, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul tells us about a baptism. And it doesn't mean water. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. For by one water are we all baptized into one body. See, our baptism today that Paul teaches is required is that you have to be baptized by the Spirit into Christ. Peter's teaching you have to be baptized by water to receive forgiveness of sins. Let me give you a hint. Did baptism exist before the nation of Israel? No. You know, baptism didn't exist until the Mosaic Law was instituted, at the same time the priesthood was instituted. God told Moses, take Abraham and his sons up on the mountain, and he has them baptize them. Why? Because they were going to be the priests. The priests always had to perform ceremonial washings. What does John the Baptist come doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he baptizes them. Why? Well, because the prophecy is they're going to be a nation of what? Priests. And so it's a very simple explanation. If you get water baptized, it ain't going to affect your salvation one way or the other. You know, it, it's not because, because you got water baptized doesn't take anything away. It does, it, it's, it's not going to change. Just like Paul talks about circumcision avails nothing. If you were circumcised as a male, guess what? 
Now, if you believe in circumcision for your salvation, now you've got a problem. If you believe in water baptism for your salvation, now you have a problem. Because you're not believing in the salvation that came, as we read, according to the blood of Jesus Christ. So, so Paul was baptizing Gentiles? Do what? Paul was baptizing Gentiles? Paul was baptizing... He, he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he lists two people. Is it two or three that he, that he baptized? Yeah, he says, I only baptized these two, and those are all Jewish. He baptized the Philippian jailer and his whole family. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, or it, did he? I thought the jailer went home to his family, and they were baptized. Well, Paul was in jail. Paul was with no. Paul, yeah. He took Paul home, ministered to the wounds and everything. Right. And Paul preached the gospel to him, and then they all believed. He said the whole family believed. I've had some Catholic friends say, well, the jailers' children were baptized. Well, first of all, there's no saying that he had children present, little ones. Mm-hmm. You know, but it says that he baptized them because they all believed. I'm paraphrasing. Here's the thing that you have to keep in mind. I can't ask Paul why he baptized some. You can't ask Paul why he baptized some. Huh? Someday we can. But here's the things we do know. Okay? You have to here, here's what we do know. That Paul baptized some. Well, turn to First Corinthians, which I think we're already there. Look at chapter one. Let's set the stage and then I'll make the point. We kind of got off a little bit here, but that's the great thing about Bible study. Paul is talking about the division that's going on in the church. Because some are saying I was baptized by Apollos, and some says I was baptized, you know, and Paul is making the point that, you know, is there a division? So the context there is obviously division. But Paul's point still has to be true. See, people want to say, well, he's just talking about, you know, I'm glad I didn't do it. Other people were doing it in my name, which the Bible never says. Um, And so he is talking about the idea that there are people who are saying that I'm part of this click and I'm part of this click, that is the context. But people want to use that context to overrule what it's getting ready to say. You can't do that. Let's read what it says. 1 Corinthians 1.14. He says, I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius. Let any, lest any should say that I have baptized in mine own name. And I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I not whether I baptized any other. So here's where we have that who he's baptized, okay? And look at verse 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Okay? Now, here's what you have to understand. If he says, I wasn't sent to baptize, but to preach the gospel, could, first of all, the question is, is could Peter and the 12 say that? No, they were specifically sent to baptize, weren't they? Specifically sent. Go baptize. Now, the other question that you have to ask yourself here is, is that whenever he says, I wasn't sent to baptize, but to preach the gospel, what does that mean the gospel message doesn't include? Doesn't include water baptism. Peter's message at Pentecost is to be saved, to get remission of sins, you have to be water baptized. Paul's message is, is, I wasn't sent to do that, but to preach the gospel. If you don't think the gospel pertains to your salvation, 
then you're confused. And so you can't say that Paul was sent to preach the gospel and at the same time say that the, the water baptism is part of that gospel. I hope I'm wording that correctly. Paul separates that the water baptism is not part of the gospel. And I wasn't sent to do this. I was sent to do this. Peter includes it as part of the gospel. Christ included it as part of the gospel. Yeah. Peter also emphasizes uh, in Acts that uh, every one of the Jews had to be baptized mm-hmm. in order to start the kingdom. Yes, they did. Turn to... Uh, um, uh, is there any more questions on that? I mean, l- we can further discuss that. If, if, you, if you have a question, please make sure you ask it. If you have a disagreement, please share it. Um, this is the time for us to search the scriptures and see if these things be so. What it says. George. Doesn't it just kind of translate <clears throat> into the kingdom versus the body of Christ? And they're two separate places completely, and it, the requirements are are separate. Yes, and, then, and, and that's exactly that's exactly right. Yeah, I mean George hits the nail right on the head. There's a reason why Israel had to be baptized. If you if you if you understand the Old Testament prophecies concerning Israel, it was that God had a plan to redeem and bring the world back to Him. His instrument for getting the nations back to him, his instrument was the the nation of Israel. They were going to be his priests. Priests had to be water baptized. Therefore, they had to be water baptized if they were going to begin that ministry for the king who was going to reside on earth. They had to be water baptized. This is why you don't have to be water baptized. Just like you don't have to be circumcised. Just like you don't have to follow the law. You don't have to be water baptized. And to tell people today that you don't have to be for salvation, but it was good enough for Jesus, so it's good enough for me. Well, it was good enough for Jesus to hang on a tree. So that is not a good enough answer. We cannot go around, especially when it's talking about salvation, the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. If you mix it, it has the domino effects. We may not see them for a generation, but they will be there. And I think we've seen it because the world of tradition continues to want to mix these messages. I think also it takes away from your understanding of the gospel in the sense of you know, when you look at, like, say, Romans 6, and, and many teach that that is water baptism, that's um, an outward expression of right. the inward. But honestly, you know, it's that you're you're dying with Christ spiritually. You're um, being raised again. And, and to think of it like that and to understand the spiritual concept of that um, is something that I think a lot of people miss, and I think it really helps you in your walk of understanding who you are in Christ and really just understanding that that old person is dead, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're alive in Christ Jesus. Right. And that's part of the mystery that Paul reveals is that by your, the word baptism, many people automatically assume water. Baptism has to do with identification. Okay. When you see baptism, think identification. 
whenever Israel was baptized with water, they were identified as being cleansed by the water. You are told that you are identified with Christ by the baptism that you receive of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, just as Israel takes on the cleanness of the water, when you are baptized, and this, is, this was never revealed before Paul. This is what Paul is, is, is talking about. By your bapti- baptism, you are literally putting on, identified with Christ, so his righteousness, 2 Corinthians 5.21, that he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we what? See, it isn't just that he took away my sin. Something else has to be done. We talked about this before. It's not enough just to put off. We had to put something on, too. We put on Christ's righteousness because of the identification. The baptism identifies you, which is why Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, makes it very clear. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed, you were sealed. Sealed. Identified. You are held in to the body of Christ. Ephesians 4.30 says how long you're sealed for. Until the day of redemption. You can't lose your salvation. And so baptism has to do with identification. The same word for baptism in the, the Old Testament word part, has, they, it's used for, for cloth being dyed to another color. Yeah. And, and so it'll, it'll be dyed. So a, a, a cloth will be taken and it will be dyed into, in, into something and it changes. And now all of a sudden it, it's identified with this new color. And so keep in mind, the um, teachers of the Bible have done a horrible job over the years too often of, of teaching what the Bible says on these things. Yeah. I hate to interrupt, brother. You were on this morning. Oh. Say, uh, just further, if I may, uh, to what Valerie was saying, uh, I'd offer that that um, gives us um, an example of how to purport ourselves in our lives and how we, you know, deal with others and, and um, the bond servant like you said the astute thing at the beginning was that uh, in the first five uh, verses there's so much packed and I didn't get past this, the third word Yeah, the bond servant aspect to mm-hmm. it and that we are you know are in Christ right and uh, yeah so yeah, it's, it's and that's the great thing about when you really begin people wonder well, how is it you can understand that Trust me, you start studying, stop reading, and start studying and praying and looking at what it said, all of a sudden, it'll pop up at you. There isn't a time that I do a study when I'm preparing for teaching. There isn't a time I'm like, whoa, that was cool, you know. So it, the deep things of God, yeah. I try and look at how this relates to, to me, honestly, uh, you know, uh, and then how, um, how I can use it, how I'm to use it. And, and the grace side of it, because I've always been very truthful, particularly when it comes to somebody else, um, you know, and, and the grace side of it, it requires nothing to come to him. Right. And that's in such contrast. It is. It's, it's... And uh, so, you know, I have, I'm trying to learn and extract from this how I can be that, uh, of that mind when... Um, developing relationships or repairing better repairing relationships with particularly loved ones family members and and others and be that example sure so it's uh, easier said than done but this is this is useful i guess is where I was going. yeah i mean trying to live out the gospel um 
It sounds vague, but at the same time, really what it is is the idea of, uh, you know, have this mind, which was also in Christ Jesus, and that is to esteem (coughs) others better than yourselves. Again, a bondservant. Right. And and that word jumped out at me because uh, we sat in on a a sermon that that preacher, the pastor, must have mentioned bondservant about 50 times. And I was to the point where if he says bond servant one more time, I'm leaving. <laughs> because I didn't Let me write like that down. Do yeah. not use bond. I didn't like that because it, it caused me to think of myself as a slave to that. But right. really, it's a, it's a privilege. Sure. Uh, and and that, that is how, that's exactly how it's really being used when Paul talks about he, him being a servant is him being a slave. Right. So turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Um, keep in mind as we're talking about Paul's apostleship, this this thing, this ministry that was given to him um, that he, he labors for and so intently on and piggybacking on the idea that he says, for this cause I was given this ministry. You know, it wasn't that he heard the gospel and says, hey, that's you know, that sounds great. Let me go share it with people. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Look at verse 17. Here he's taught, well, let's back up. Verse 16, he says, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. And you may say, yeah, I feel the exact same thing. But that's not, what, that's not what's going on here. Paul is, Paul is elaborating, elaborating on his particular position on this dispensation that was given to him. Look at that verse 17. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. That's like you and I, judgment seat of Christ, the beam of seat. You know, we, we're going to get rewards for the things that we do. We go out and preach the gospel and all that kind of thing. No, Paul says, if I do this thing willingly, I get a reward. But notice what he says next. Look what he says there, says there next. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. What do you think he means by that? Say it louder, sir. God gave him a new revelation, a new dispensation with Paul. Yeah, he's not saying I'm not willing to do this. Paul is willing to do it, but he's 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 drawing a comparison to somebody who is who desires the office of a bishop that he talks about later when he's talking to Titus and he's talking about establishing the leadership of a church. If somebody desires the office of a bishop, they desire a good thing. Paul is saying. I was given this responsibility, a dispensation. So that's why he's drawing the distinction of somebody who, who says, yes, sign me up, versus him, that he has this, this thing that's been charged to him to do. Shouldn't we have that kind of thought as well because we're ambassadors for Christ? We have been left here for a purpose as well. I mean, it wasn't in the same, you know, he was charged with something new, but I'm saying today as believers, we should kind of have that same attitude. Well, and yeah, and I wouldn't say this verse talks about that, as, as you pointed out. Um, other verses tell us that we've been bought with a, cry, a price. Other verses tell us that, that um, it's our reasonable service to do these things. We Ephesians 2, most people don't quote the Ephesians 2, 2. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Everybody knows 8 and 9.
Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So there's the reason why it's not of works, because God knows we would boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. And a little further on in that First Corinthians passage, it said talked about stewardship, mm-hmm. and uh, where um, you know, and Paul talked about being ambassadors in chains, and how you know, we don't have to create this this wheel; we just gotta we just gotta push, right? You know? And um, and the, uh, the the bond bond servant or the slave aspect to it the good aspect to it because it has such a negative connotation nowadays in modern terms but back then and if you think of it in terms of us being uh, servants to Christ the almighty is that we don't have to worry about anything it's already taken care of for us that's right and that uh, we get to you know etc sure no very good point yeah and so as you can see here like I said is, is yes we're created in good works but Paul's saying his point there in 1 Corinthians 9, if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if I do it, in other words, not because I was I signed up for it, but against my will. In other words, I didn't sign up for it. That means that a dispensation was given to me. And that's where he talks about stewardship. That's because he has this ministry of the word of reconciliation that was given to him, then to us. He is the apostle. Um, and we've got three minutes. Uh, we'll try to get uh, a couple of points into verse 2. Here it says, and we have to deal with this question here, um, where it talks about promised before. Um, keep in mind, Paul is preaching Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ was prophesied before. Jesus Christ was prophesied the good news. Good news about the Messiah was promised. And, and I guess we really shouldn't start this because there's no way we're going to look at the verses. There's just no way. I talk too, too much. Um, but if you're taking notes, um, you can write down John chapter 5, verse 39, Luke chapter 167, um, and I can give you those later. Um, but as we look, the idea of Jesus being uh, promised before even good news, go back to Genesis chapter 3. The very first prophecy of Jesus Christ comes in Genesis chapter 3. Okay? And so, is Paul saying that he, what he is preaching is the same thing as what was preached before? No. He's saying he's preaching the same person as before. And we'll have to talk about that next week um, because um, we just we just don't have time. But when you look and you look at what he says in different places, 2 Timothy chapter 1... Ephesians chapter 3, he makes it very clear that he's that he's preaching based upon the promise of Jesus Christ. The Old Testament taught of Jesus Christ. Um, one of the things that do, I don't think we've said today, but we've said it other times, the fact uh, of a bondservant isn't necessarily like we think of as a real slave because a bond servant, if I understand it correctly, is is a slave who has been set free and then agrees to continue serving the master because of his love for the master. 
Yes. Yeah. 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 So yeah. There's, a little, there's a little there's, there's difference There's a, a there. slight change of, of how it works out, um, whereas the bond servant still sees himself as that servant. Right. Um, but he's been given. But he's done it will, willingly. Willingly, yes. And so he still acts as though that he's that slave and he still uh, pertains in, in that sense in his own mindset, but he's been given his freedom and has, has willingly stayed on to be that thing. Uh, and so again, uh, next week we're going to delve into the specifics of that verse 2, which he had promised before. Um, again, uh, keep in mind Christ was not a mystery. Christ was not a mystery. But there was a mystery about Christ that was never revealed before. And that's what Paul says, just to make clear, at the end, the end of Romans, Romans 16, one verse. I got 30 seconds, Mark. I can do it. Romans 16, verse 25. Paul is not claiming that he's preaching the same gospel that was promised before. 16, Romans 16, 25 says, Now to him that is power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest. This verse, you have to, you have to look at verse 2 of chapter 1 through the lens of this verse because Paul is saying, I'm preaching Jesus according to a mystery that was never revealed. At the same time, He's preaching that Jesus Christ is the, is the same one of the Old Testament. He's not. He's not. In other words, I'm not coming inventing this whole new person. You know, Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons and, and, and their, their idea of how things are done. Paul is saying that Jesus Christ was promised before. I was separated under the gospel that was promised before about Jesus Christ, and I preach Him according to the revelation of mystery which was never revealed before. So I hope that that's clear. But we'll. Talk more about that. Any other comments? I think you're better, Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Which is no good.